This is the scenario where you've been wandering in the wilderness for a while. You're starving, you're thirsty, and you come down from the foothills and you're like, ah, oh, the golden arches. Not high quality food. But you know How what? dare you? I you're love gonna, McDonald's. You're going to run into McDonald's and you're going to order the worst thing on the menu because it tastes so great. How, like, I get McDonald's weekly. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Puka, we have heard from several people that you gave an impassioned speech following BYU's loss in Lynchburg at Liberty, and it woke the locker room up. If you can, take us inside that meeting and the feelings that you had in that moment and, and your message to your team. Um. <laughs> Feelings of, of like the most intense love I can have. I, I, my brothers have felt that love for me. It's a, f- a feeling of, an, I, I feel the pain. Uh, nobody ever wants to lose, but um, I also feel the, the pain and love of accountability, I guess, in the sense of everybody from our, from the, uh, the top of our staff all the way down to the guys making sure that our, our ankles are taped right. Um, Everybody needed to uh, to look in the mirror and make sure that uh, what you were doing is what you were supposed to do. We, we're given out there as a football team. We go out there with 11 guys on offense and defense, and each guy has their own task. And um, there's nothing more we can ask of you to, other than to do your one the, to do your 111. This in the football term, that's how it comes down is to do your 111. Though you're asked to do your one assignment, and that's all we can count. You do more, and it's a huge blessing. And we, there's nothing more exciting than seeing you get your job done and then make the play or something like that. But to make sure that you look in the mirror and you got to be accountable for what you put on tape. The eye of the sky never lies. That's that's always something that my brothers have told me and it's something that you learn um, pretty quickly as you get in here to college and the amount of film that other teams watch and the amount of film that you have to watch is um, you think somebody might not see it, but the eye in the sky always gets it. So you always, you got to be accountable for what you put on tape and just a, a simple reality check of, I, I, I needed to hold everybody accountable and guys hold me accountable. There are plays out there. I miss, I think of the, the post ball that I missed from Jared. I had a screen uh, on third and 10 where I, I had the opportunity to get a first down and I didn't get it. And we had to punt the ball away. So accountability in all aspects of making sure that it's not only football stuff, but when it comes through the week, uh, everything, everything plays a part. We traveled early last week, uh, not <laughs> travel, but making sure you take care of your body before we get there on Saturday and all the little things add up of accountability, not just when, uh, coaches up there on the whiteboard are giving you a plus or a minus on, on the play that you're in. Um, we're making sure we get to the lift on time. You're taking care of your body, the extra treatment, all the little things that it adds up. We're, we're in the later part of the season and um, you got to be accountable for what you do. Uh, it's hard as I was talking to one of the freshmen and they're young kids and you just come out of high school and you're, you're an elite uh, player on your team. And then you step onto a team full of elite guys and it can kind of fluster you a little bit, but, the, the consistency and your accountability to yourself is uh, will allow you to succeed because uh, you do the things that you know you're capable of doing consistently uh, when things get hard and other people might be tired, the habit that you've built is, is what's going to get us strong. So making sure that everybody's everybody's habits and the things that they're, they're doing out there on the football field are being checked and that you're aware of the good things that you're doing and the bad things that you're doing, because uh, we're doing a lot of good things, but there are some bad things that we got to change. So. Clearly, accountability is uh, is a big part of how you want to show love and and how you want to hold guys to a higher standard. So, how do you walk that fine line of not being too intense and making guys feel down, but you know, still calling them out adequately and and doing so with love? Because uh, I know that's a that's a tricky balance. So, how do you do that? 
Um, yeah, just like you said, it is a tricky balance. And luckily, uh, growing up with brothers, I feel like made it either uh, made it easier. I've been playing football a long time, and obviously the situation changed and the environment changed. But um, my the the love is my love is greater than uh, my love for my teammates is greater than any other thing that um, could happen out there. I, there's nothing more than uh, on third down when I want I want to see um, Max Tooley, Keenan Peely, like all, all, all 11 guys end up on the running back and we have a TFL and then our punt unit goes out there. But uh, it might not always love. Love has many different ways of showing how it comes out and it may be intense. I, I, I want to get up close into your face and that whenever some somebody mentions that, especially here at, uh, at BYU, when our culture is love and learn, I always think of the, <laughs> it's funny, it, the, the, the talk by Thomas or uh, Jeff, uh, somebody where he's like, I'm going to get up close in your face. I want you to feel the heatness of my breath and something like that. And that's that intensity. It's, it's my most intense love for you because I want you to succeed. I know what everybody in there in that locker room is capable of. So my love is from the, the best place it could come without me trying to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how that's said. Yeah. Uh, and it's a unique type of love for sure. Not everybody likes to have that type of tough love, but sometimes that's what has to happen for, for a team to progress. Now I've had a couple of your teammates talk to me about how BYU kind of lost their swagger and mojo after the Oregon game. And, and it was kind of like confidence was broken and, Maybe BYU hasn't been the same team since that uh, performance against the Ducks. How do you rectify that? How do you get back to a place where you are confident again? Um, I think kind of some of the stuff that I mentioned before, consistency, that's where it comes from. Of um, That's something that we haven't been able to put together of consistently scoring on offense, consistently passing the ball well, consistently blocking the well, um, consistently running the ball well. And obviously the other side of the ball has had their own struggles, but making sure that we are consistent because that's that's how you ha- you earn the you earn the right to be confident through your consistency of on Monday I I did this and this I on Tuesday I watched this film and made sure I was prepared for this look so when that opportunity arises on Saturday you never know we go over so many various looks and uh, we see all the tape and we see what they put out and they obviously watch us but you never know what you're gonna get out there on Saturday until you get out there so the consistency of work that you put in through the week and um. It doesn't really, it started early. It started before September 3rd was our first game. And it's crazy. We're, we're, we're a ways away from that now. And the consistency that you did um, in your winter workouts, through your summer workouts, these are the, those are the times that when, when we're here now, we're in the grind. We just lost three games of um, what were the habits, uh, what were the habits that you've been able to hold throughout the season to carry you into these, these tough moments where I can feel confident um, because I know I've put in the work. What is BYU playing for at this point on the heels of a three-game losing streak with a pretty good ECU team coming to Provo on Friday? Uh, we're, play- we're playing for Friday, just, just, just as you said. It, it's it, uh, so trying to be so laser-focused into what we got. We only get so many games. We get uh, At the beginning of the season, we, we get 12 games, and you look at those, and they're sad- the Saturdays, the Fridays that we get to play, uh, you, you only get so many of them, so you got to take advantage of every opportunity. And we're locked in on ECU right now. Uh, another t- uh, another team getting a chance to come down here to Provo. So um, we're going to have to earn the respect and we're going to have to continue to do the things that we've been doing right and then continue to minimize our mistakes. You are a guy that has a natural leader inside of you, a fire. How do you stoke that fire in some other guys that maybe are not inclined to be that way? Because it just feels like the locker room needs not just you, but multiple leaders. So how do you lead that front and stoke the fire? Um, 
I wish I knew what stoke the fire meant. <laughs> <laughs> Light it but, up. Uh, Throw yeah. the match in there. <laughs> All right. Then I guess I got to be carrying the gasoline and just continue to make sure that my fire is burning. I love this game and I love every single one of those guys. I love our entire staff. Um, I'm grateful to be in this position that I am right now playing football. I, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm in one piece. Uh, I have the opportunity to come play in front of 60,000 fans on Friday night here in the Valadero Stadium and in Provo, Utah, in the place that I've grown up. So, um, my fire is always burning and hopefully when guys see the fire, they can, they can follow the, it does, you don't have to, you don't have to always have your own fire. You can follow the fire. We, we are the light that there are captains on this team. There are people that have been put in the, the positions that they're in to lead, to lead this, uh, the football team. And I believe in coach Kalani, I believe in Jaron Hall. We have the right guys to get the job done. So you just got to follow the light for sure. Is it as simple as winning a game to reestablish the confidence and mojo? Does it cut? Is it, is it that simple? I believe so. It's the best feeling when you walk in uh, into the locker room, uh, whether you're in a way or home. And Coach Kalani is kind of trying to hit his gritty. Everybody's dead dancing and circling up. So, and everybody has a smile on their face. That's that's love and learning at its best. And uh, we need to get back to that. And that's our plan on Friday. How much do you know about ECU at this point and what they're going to try and do to slow the BYU offense down? Um. I wish I, I wish I could tell you all, all I know is that we're planning on doing a lot of things on the BYU offense to continue to ramp it up. So there, there is no chance of slowing us down. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. Can you give us a hint of anything, Puka? I mean, <laughs> is this been BYU throwing it over the top 10 times? Uh, I, I wish I know I got, I got maybe five, five or six. We got uh, Jaron, Chris, Peeney, Miles, uh, Chase, Cody, Kibo, Koss, uh, Isaac, Mason, Ethan Erickson, uh, we got we got a bunch of dudes up and they're on the offense and everybody's excited and ready to make plays. And you'll see you'll see a lot of those guys out there on Friday. That's for sure. Well, I will say this, the wide receiver room, even amidst the three game losing streak and frustrations and struggles, the wide receiver room has been very, very consistent. And a lot of different guys have stepped up. What's been the key to the BYU wide receivers performing at such a consistent high level, regardless of opponent? Um, I think there's a. There's a confidence in our room that I think uh, Coach Coach Fest brings that to our room, and then obviously um, with Jared, uh, the trust that he has in us, and then just uh, each guy. We go out there, we play against our defense, and we practice hard. We we wanted to be the the worst possible situation during practice. So when we get out there in the game, uh, second and a second and thirteen doesn't seem too bad when we're practicing on second and thirteen, and there may be thirteen guys out there on defense. So we're we're back. We're practicing a backed up um, situation of we're we're we're, we're, we're we're behind the sticks on first and second down and we're, we know we're looking at a third and long. So um, all those guys, they're, they're extremely uh, happy to make those plays. There, there's never a time where we look at the sticks and it's all third and 30 where, oh, dang, we can't make a play. Uh, every time we step out there, especially if we're going to drop back and uh, Jaren's going to pass that rock, every single one of those guys, and I know in our receiver room are ready to make that play, whether it's in a bubble game, a jet sweep, uh, a run block, or uh, we're throwing 50-yard bombs over the top of the defense. Uh, we're ready for all of it. Puka, we'll finish with this. And I kind of feel strange asking this because it comes after such a frustrating ordeal in Lynchburg. But in any way, was what you experienced over the weekend with your team a good thing and beneficial? If so, how? Um, I wouldn't say... No, I, I wouldn't say it's beneficial. Obviously, uh, our, our objective to go out there every week is to win the game, and that was that's we failed. We failed with our objective. Um, so, I wouldn't say there there was a good that came out of it. We're gonna get better, but there uh, there was no good part of this weekend. Uh, we we our plan is to win football games, and we didn't do that. Yeah, fair to say the pain is driving you to be better. 
Agreed. <laughs> All right, Puka, we appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. You can share it with your buddies. Send it through the locker room. Yes, under sir. the lights of the Edward Stadium. It's been a special thing for you guys to play at night, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Yes, sir, always, and go Cougs, baby. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jerem, let's get right to it. BYU football on the heels of a three-game losing streak, four and four, now has what? many questioning. Will BYU finish the season with enough wins to get to a bowl game? And perhaps an even bigger question, is there anything BYU football can do collectively to change the narrative, or has it already been set in stone? I don't think it's set in stone quite yet. Um, now, remember... The way BYU's playing certainly doesn't give us confidence that it's going to be uh, rewritten soon or in a drastic manner. But what if BYU comes out Friday and somehow does what it hasn't done the last, I don't know, what, six games or something? Uh, five games? And shows up, plays a little bit better defense. Offense gets back to what it was pre-Liberty, which was, hey, explosive and putting up points and whatnot. And BYU somehow beats ECU. And then uh, what if they go on the blue and somehow pull off an upset there? Hank Bachmeyer's not the quarterback, so BYU's got a shot uh, against Boise State. I kid. Um, yeah, history on the blue's not been great. You have Utah Tech. What if BYU goes on a little run here and somehow scrapes out uh, eight or nine wins? Then I think it's rewritten. Then I think we, we remember, but it's not the main narrative that, oh, there was that three-game losing streak uh, in the middle of the season. Certainly there's time to do that. The way BYU's playing doesn't make you feel confident that's going to happen. But um, if BYU somehow does that, hey, it, it's, it's a different story. We're certainly in the middle portion of the story right now. Sure. Like, it's not over. But if BYU loses the ECU on Friday, yeah, it, gets, it continues to spiral uh, away. You made the 2014 comparison. Yes. Can BYU do what it did in 2014, which is – you come out of the gates 4-0. BYU didn't this year, but the idea of like a strong start, 4-1 in this case, lose four, and then they won four and lost the bowl game in uh, double OT, I think, to Memphis, and then everyone punched each other. So hopefully there's no punching each other in that way at any point. <laughs> hopefully the punching is uh, the physical format of good defense on third down and creating takeaways and offensively being able to run the ball, although you just told us you know, from yesterday, Chris Brooks, out for this game. So uh, let's go. There's still time. But certainly BYU has to do something different that we haven't seen in a minute on defense specifically. Yes, there is time for a measure of redemption. Are we really going to close the book after eight chapters? Like, no, nah, I've seen enough. I'm good. I don't want to finish the last four chapters. Well, perhaps some people are done with the book. That, and that's unfortunate. That's <laughs> we, unfortunate. We are not. That's unfortunate because I feel like there's, there's some redemption available for BYU. And yes, like injuries. We believe in that around these parts. Coaches. Uh, and this is Kalani Sitake's words, coaches not being good enough as part of that, players certainly not being good enough as part of that. There can be redeeming qualities at the end of this specific book of 2022 BYU football. So why, why say, no, it's done. Because you don't the believe. It's already a failure. Because you don't believe. I don't That's care. Why. Well, yeah. the thing is, even with those BYU fans that are feeling that way, they're still going to watch, and they're still going to hope. They're still going to hope for something better. Okay, Even yeah. if it's buried way deep down in their soul right now, the host fans are like, yeah, no, it's set in stone. It's done. Disappointment, failure. They're still watching, and they're still hoping for something better to build off of for BYU to go into the Big 12. It is critical that BYU play a better brand of football so that they start some type of positive momentum going into the Big 12, Jerem. 
Like, yeah, like BYU's not going to win 10 games this year. That's disappointing. And they won't next year either. It's disappointing. Yeah. But it is absolutely critical that they do change the narrative over the final four games in the quality of football that they play, or we're headed for a very weird and turbulent offseason. Because now it's like, okay, going to the Big 12, they just tailspinned out of 2022 and you know, heaven forbid BYU, you know, doesn't get to a bowl game or gets to a bowl game and lose it and they finish with a losing record. That is not what you want to take into the Big 12. And let's be honest, there would be a few new coaches probably if that was the case. Like, just straight up, let's just call it like it is. I think if BYU somehow gets to eight wins, including a bowl, that something is salvaged with this season. Just give me a winning record. Give me a winning record. I'd take that right now. I'd take seven and six. Give Um, me a winning record. Because of how poor – the middle portion of, of this has been. And the fact that it's not and, – and you can even feel weird after wins. Remember how we felt after Wyoming and Utah State? That was because we were trending in this direction of like, wait a minute, why is, why is BYU giving up 24 and 26 points to these two teams? Why can't they why, stop the run against Utah State and yeah, Wyoming? Why, why is Cooper Lagat running over BYU? Why um, – you know, and there are late scores there, whatever. But why, why isn't BYU putting up 40 or 50 in these games if this offense is so good? Why isn't this O-line running the ball if this O-line is so good? So, yeah, the, the standard was real high at the beginning of the year. If we came in thinking BYU was going to be 8-5 and five this year, we'd be on par. No, no, it should have been high. Right? And it should have been it high. It should have been high. This is the most excited I was for a season, given what you returned and what you thought you had since 08. You come out of 07, 11-2, because that was a surprise. Like, 21 was a surprise after 20 with new personnel um, for the most part. And then, boom, yeah, this has not been what we wanted. We thought this was a team that would, uh, you know, tempt the New Year's Six fate potentially. Uh, at its highest peak and at its lowest, maybe nine, right? Nope, now we're, we're saying, yeah, if BYU wins out, they get nine, but BYU's not winning out. Like, the way they're playing, there's no way. BYU has to play very different. But if they somehow salvage eight-plus wins, I go, oh, that season was... Trending in the right direction. Like, it's a positive momentum yes, going into the Big 12. It was, it was less than what we wanted, but it's never a bad season to me if it's eight. Well, we were supposed to be so good. Bad is seven and like bad is uh, not making a bowl game. Mediocre is six or seven wins. Eight plus is always a good season to me. Very good is kind of nine, ten. You're like, okay, that's awesome. Eleven is like, whoa, Special. twelve is impossible. Sure. Yeah, twelve's not gonna happen. Like that, that's too much. Um, so there's still time to salvage something. But again, the way BYU's playing, it's just like, ugh, just doesn't feel like BYU's gonna be able to easily snap out of this. I don't know what BYU can do to snap out of it other than obvious things, Spence. Like win a game? Like run the – well, besides that, come on. <laughs> like run the ball effectively. It's like, okay, sure. Miles Davis and Lopini Katoa got to show up. If BYU can't run the ball, they can't just rely on Jaron, who apparently is more uh, – is closer to 100% than we thought, according to Aaron Roderick. Perhaps he's giving him no excuse to not perform in that way. He, he thinks the, the injury, by the way, didn't affect him in the Liberty game. So then, okay, there are bigger problems. Because what I would like to do is just say, that shoulder is so sore, it really bothers him. And for some reason, BYU's not bringing in Jacob Conover if it's that bad. But no, it's just like, get it done. Just get it done. The time for words is over, although we still have to do a show today, tomorrow, and Friday. But the time for words is over. The time for doing is now. Yeah, again, looking back at the 2014 season, nobody says, oh, what an utter failure. No, it's like, man, that stunk that Taysom Hill broke his leg. That was awful one of the lowest lows, right? Watching him have to leave the field. BYU loses four games in a row. But then the emergence of Christian Stewart and, hey, Jordan Leslie. And those two had, like, this amazing game against Cal in the regular season finale. And BYU was 8-4, and four, and they were going to the Miami Beach Bowl. And, I mean, it, there was something salvaged in that season. 
BYU has the opportunity to salvage something here. And more importantly, as I said earlier, play a better brand of football. I don't think it can get much worse than BYU's defense has been over the past two weeks. Yes, they can have a worse loss, but there's still three of the last four are quality. Like, BYU's not losing to Utah Tech. I'm sorry. That would be a completely new level. This is not uh, North Dakota State or James Madison, who's now FBS, walking in as an FCS team like App State did to Michigan or whatever. This isn't that situation. ECU's quality at Boise State, tough to win there. They're five and two yeah, at Stanford win. to beat Notre right. Dame, like power five. There's not that. There's not that kind of gimme game. I wish this was that sort of one and seven San Jose State type sure. game. It's not. Sure. Well, that's why I'm saying there is redeeming qualities available here because of the quality of opponents remaining on the schedule. Like if BYU can play a better brand of football and beat a few of these teams, they're beating good football teams, and that will change. Like it's going to require BYU to like understandably be like notably better to beat some of these teams. And then you start to change the narrative. Like, okay, they showed some resilient behavior. They, they bounced back. They were dealing with adversity to this point, since BYU's kind of been spiraling in this funk, like I haven't seen the ability to adjust and get out of panic mode. Like when adversity hits in a game, like the belief is gone on the sideline. And it's just like, okay, here we go again. Here and you we can go speak again. to that. You were there. Like, yeah. Oh no, here we go. Again. When Liberty took the lead at 17, 14, you know, I'm on the sideline. I'm looking and, I'm just looking at the body language, and I'm like, it's a three-point game. You have the ball. It's a three-point game, and you have the ball. But That's like, not good. Like, oh, I don't know. Is it gonna, are we coming off the rails again? It just felt That's that way. That's the body language. It felt yeah. at halftime a six-point game, Jeremy, and it felt like, oh, this game's over. Like, it was Which is crazy. Nuts. Aaron Roderick, a six-point game. Aaron Roderick on Coordinator's Corner in this very studio said that BYU cannot look at how many possessions are left and what the score is. There, uh, he gets the sense from the offense right now that there's a little bit of panic sometimes. Yes. That's not good. BYU's in desperation mode, obviously. I am uh, intimidated a little bit by the fact that BYU has three or four opponents that are uh, pro- could very well win the game um, against BYU. ECU, by the way, ESPN FBI has 56% chance for BYU to win. Vegas says three-point favorite, so that's interesting. But at Boise State, 38% chance to win Stanford, 40%. That's not good. BYU doesn't have that sort of, like, get-right game. And I'm not talking about the FCS game against Utah Tech, live on BYU TV. I'm talking about the 1-7 yeah. San Jose State type thing. And that concerns me because BYU is going to have to dig into a place that they, they're going to have to find that mithril down in Moria, Rings of Power reference, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it you got to find it. Like, you got to find that to help you get out of this rut because BYU is in a dangerous spot. And I'm not saying this is good in any way, shape, or form. But um, I, I, th- I think that this disappointment is bred from expectation. Certainly. But expectations were fairly high, meaning it was fair to have them there. Yes. And in the Big 12, we will experience some of this as well in multiple sports, where it's like, well, shoot, I thought the season was going to be like this. You're playing a, a tougher schedule. This is a tough schedule. One player told me this week, this is probably the toughest schedule we've had, maybe in independence, like, because there's not a ton of gimmies. South Florida was, was uh, an interesting game because it was across the country, opener, place that BYU had lost in 2019. BYU blew it open in the first quarter, not in question. Utah State and Wyoming, BYU ends up winning those. Those were easier games, but 12 and 14 point margins. So, and then Utah Tech. So you only really had four where it was like, yep, you should win those four for sure. Everything else up for grabs. Everything else up for grabs. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Okay, which injury will be more detrimental this week for BYU? Cody Epps? 
of Christopher Brooks. I think it's Christopher Brooks. BYU's running game uh, is already kind of in a world of hurt, no pun intended, but it just- You? I know, I know. <laughs> I, things feel a little bit, uh, <laughs> what's the best word I'm looking for? I don't want to say it's hopeless, but it kind of feels that way. It feels that way um, with with uh, Miles Davis, Lopini Katoa. BYU's not run the ball effectively. And well, how healthy is Miles Davis and, too? Like his foot and Lopini. Lopini missed uh, the Arkansas game. So yeah, Lopini got uh, you know his head rattled a little bit, and then now Chris Brooks is out. So what Concerning. what's going to have like that? That to me is the biggest question mark: is BYU's ability or inability to run the ball and stop the run. On the other side, yes, that's two biggest questions. Defensively, get off the field more, and and can BYU possess the ball a little bit? Give sure. the defense some time off, even if, uh, and can BYU at least get a couple first downs let, if they don't score, just to milk some clock and get field position. Well, Cody Epps is amazing, right? That wide receiver room has consistently put out good numbers. Yes, with guys missing games, including Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Not and super Chase concerned Roberts. about who's out there from no. the receivers and tight ends because the they've been backs. good. Yep. For sure. Yep. BYU is zero and six against the spread <laughs> since the Baylor game. Mm. Oh boy. With BYU now being a three-point favorite against East Carolina, if that trend continues, that would suggest that the game's going to be inside of three points against yeah. East Carolina. Yeah, BYU's gonna win by two, Spence. Is that more reason to be nervous, Jerem, with this against the spread trend in place? It's just another metric showing BYU has been good enough. Um, and does the spread indicate whether you're winning a game or not? No, BYU didn't cover against Wyoming and Utah State and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's concerning. Um, there's a certain expectation not being met. BYU doesn't have to uh, cater to what Vegas thinks for sure. They were probably like, yeah, we beat Utah State and Wyoming, that we were good enough, but hey, we can play much better. Sure, I don't know that this- To us, that wasn't good enough though. I don't know that this statistic against the spread makes me more nervous. What's making me nervous is the trend of what we have seen consistently for the past six weeks from BYU football. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like that, that's where the nerves come in. I, really, I could care less about it. It makes sense to me. Like, oh yeah, it makes sense. BYU is a three-point favorite and maybe they win by one or two. They're not winning, or if they are winning, sense. it's not by enough. Right. That's what's happening. I mean, so it's totally understandable is the feeling I'm taking from this statistic. Yeah. Okay, who will be the blue and white scrimmage MVP tonight? Oh, it's gotta be Foose. I think so too. Yeah, it's gotta be Fusini Traore. Like I think, speaking, we're talking about dunks with Mark Pope, right? We're gonna see some dunks from Foose tonight. He's got one other post player on the team to guard him. It's Atiki. So it's it's uh, an African battle tonight. Well, and he loves going after Atiki as well. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun to watch. Just All stay right. healthy, baby. Let's stay with basketball. Stephen Curry, NBA superstar, called out broadcaster Kevin Harlan thanks to his announcer jinx mid-game last night at the free throw line after he missed his first free throw of the season. <laughs> he pointed at him in, Har the, in the game. Harlan mentioned he was perfect at the on the season at the time. What is more powerful, this Kevin Harlan free throw jinx or your 17 plus curse? <laughs> well, we only have one uh, volume of one for uh, <laughs> Stephen Curry. Remember I said BYU would beat South Florida by 17 plus, people got scared, blah, blah, blah. I haven't said it since, but I do have something special coming up. Ooh. Okay. Along those lines. Okay. So I'm going to say, well, I don't think mine's that powerful. So I'll go with Kevin Harlan's uh, volume of one. No, I'm going with yours. This was born of course you would. back in 2013, Many going into ago. the Houston game. When you're like, they're the biggest they're the paper worst. tiger ever, 5-0. They're, the, they're the worst 5-0 team in the history of college football. <laughs> 17 plus. And it was a one-point one point game. One-point game. BYU needed to score a, 
<laughs> last minute touchdown. I don't to win that game. I don't know why I said hey, shout out Skyler Ridley. Um, I don't know why I said 17 plus, but that ended up, ended up being it's a three score game. That's a blowout. Yes, you also said yeah. 17 plus against Utah State in 2014. Yeah, and BYU lost that game. <laughs> if Taysom Hill plays the whole game, come on now. Yes. Didn't you say 17 plus gets Utah State this year too? Did I say 17 plus? <laughs> Vegas. Hey, how about you keep the you starters in at the end? You did. And then it is 17 plus because they sure? scored a late touchdown. They were up 19. Are you sure you still want to go with uh, the Stephen Green Again, being more powerful? Yes. I've got something special on Friday for this. Oh, Don't you it. worry. I love it. Okay, if you were to dress up for Halloween as a current BYU athlete, who and why? Uh, I'd be uh, Timmy Schloss. Nice. I'd be Slick Nick nice. because we have the costume here. So I'd be Jimmer Fredette as Tim Schloss. So it's two different people. <laughs> Therein lies the inception yeah, of that the inception. Halloween nice. costume. Okay, this is mean, but what? can I be Swiss cheese for the BYU defense right now? Oh, for fun. Is that too mean? That's too mean. That's too mean. I apologize. That's too mean. Boo. Okay, boo. <laughs> They're going to be better, hopefully, Friday. Um, no, I'm going to be a cougar tail, and this is what it's going to look like. Um, oh, you. I'm just a giant cougar tail. <laughs> okay, just a big old maple not bar. A not a chocolate one, you want no, maple? No, I'll be okay. old school OG okay, uh, right. maple bar. That's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. This I'm hungry. I, I so I know that's not a BYU bar. athlete. Yeah, we could always go for a brunch right now. Mm -hmm. We should just have brunch regularly in like the C block. Sure. Thing. Yeah, cougar tail. I thought about just dressing up as a goat and then calling myself Jimmer for day. Yeah, I'm, I'm right? Jimmer. Just a goat. Goat costume. I'm Danny. <laughs> <laughs> the two goats, you know? There are two. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The man who is going to call the game for ESPN tonight is Roy Philpot. He joins us like he was kind enough to dress up and get warm and come hang out in the, cold, the frigid air. A little cold out here right now, yes, but it's sir. not too bad. Not as bad as I thought it would be. Hey, well, well, once that sun goes down tonight. <laughs> it's a little different, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, it'll be chilly. We traveled in last night, and our sideline reporter, Paul Carcateri, was on my flight from Atlanta, and he looked at my suitcase. It's a tiny suitcase, and he said, hey, did you bring a big coat? I'm like, yeah, I, I've called games here before, Paul, and I brought my big coat because <laughs> up there in the booth it gets pretty frigid. For it's, sure. It's, uh, I believe it's an open-air booth, is it not? It is, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets a little chilly. You're a man prepared. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I think you're gonna. You're, I know how you're going to answer this next question, but what's what's been the best thing you've done in Provo since you got here this time around? Well, we went to Bam Bam's Barbecue last night, mm -hmm. and I'm here to tell you the brisket is uh, to die for. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we so really good. enjoyed that. It's the first time I've been there. Our analyst, Andre Ware, had been here a couple of times, been there a couple of times, Spencer, and uh, he had been talking about it all week. I, I intentionally saved the appetite until late last night, and now I have brisket remorse because I probably ate about three pounds. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So that's been the highlight so Fantastic. far. We love Cam True. We know the owner. We're, we love Bam Bam. Awesome. Solo, which is awesome. And Andre, Andre saying he loves it too is a big deal Yeah, as a Houston guy. Yeah, no, no that's doubt. That's quite the compliment. Yeah, look, I'm from South Carolina. I take a lot of pride in our barbecue. I'm sure. I, I lived in Dallas for a couple of years. I know what Texas barbecue is all about. You know. And it reminded me a lot of Texas barbecue. It's got that kind of smoky sensation to it. It was it was legit. Now, what is also smoky is tonight's matchup. Oh, my uh, goodness. Transition. Because BYU's defense has been terrible yeah. the last three games. What kind of urgency do you sense from this team to try and get it right against a very talented ECU offense? I think the message this week has, has been positive. It's what you want to hear because you realize what's at stake right now. And if you look at these final couple of games, tonight's game, I mean, you don't want to say it's a must win to go to a bowl game before you go to the Big 12. It feels that way. 
It's got to be. I mean, because you, you feel good about Utah Tech, and then you look at road trips coming up to Boise State and Stanford. Th- those are going to be tough. You win this game tonight, all of a sudden that becomes much more manageable. So in terms of postseason, uh, I, I think the staff understands what's at stake tonight, and there's a better sense of urgency, you know. But I, I think it's all about it's responding to adversity tonight. When adversity strikes, does this team play in a different way than what we saw last week against Liberty and maybe the last couple of games? Again, I'm hearing the right stuff. I just think, what does it look like tonight on the field? Sure, That's exactly fair, what, fair how questions. we feel as well. Yeah. Like, and what is it going to look like? Maybe there's something to the home atmosphere and yeah. night games. I mean, we have spent all week talking about how weird it is that BYU has been so markedly better at night, yeah. especially at home. Let's tell you that stat, by the way. They haven't been Maybe anywhere you know. else. Yeah. If you don't know, since 2019, 6 p.m. or later local kick. Yeah. 23-1. and one. Yeah, I, I think I read that. Just one loss? Just one loss to Utah in 2019, who was as high as five that year. Okay. They were, they were amazing. In, in, in addition, I think Coach Sataki against teams from the Eastern time zone and night kicks out here, is, is his record is pretty spectacular as well. So Perfect, yeah. It, it's perfect. So there, there's something to be said about that. I think it's critical from the BYU side tonight for the crowd to be in it. And, again, when something goes wrong, you know, the wheels don't come off in terms of the atmosphere. I see that a lot in college football. For teams that are struggling, they're playing a home game, there's big expectations, things go wrong, everybody kind of sits on their hands. That That's not what you're trying to do this late in sure. the season. You're a Carolina guy. You know where Greenville is. You know where East Carolina is coming from. I do, yeah. 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 They have good barbecue there, too, by the <laughs> they way. They do? It's kind of that – it's a different flavor to it. Hey, they're coming to 40 degrees in Provo and making the two-time zone travel jump and, and having to play Lavelle Stadium at night. How much do you put into that – impacting what we think is a really good East Carolina team. Yeah, it, it, it does. I think the travel, it, it impacts more than people talk about. I mean, when you come across the country, you know, almost 2,000 miles, the temperature difference, a place you've never been before, there's that unfamiliarity, I guess, to it. I think all those things matter. And, you know, from an ECU perspective is how do they handle that? How do they handle adversity for the first time? They've played well lately. I mean, they, they look really strong and comeback wins against Memphis and what they did last week against UCF. Wow. I mean, they smashed UCF. We yes. had UCF earlier this year against Louisville, and Gus Malzahn's team, they can run it. They're physical. They've got athletes. They've got speed, all kinds of things, and ECU smashed them. So, different environment tonight, and coming across the country is a big deal. As a broadcaster, I mean, sometimes you feel that with a bunch of trips out west from where I am in South Carolina. For a football team, for an athlete this late in the season, it can be a big deal. How do they handle it? So, I mean, yeah. Dealing with adversity for both sides tonight. It sounds cliche, but it's a big deal. BYU's offense has got to keep up with ECU's offense um, because they've got some ballers in in Ehlers, Mitchell, Johnson, Winstead, and others. Yeah, all these guys are top ten in something in yeah. the country. I'm wondering how that happens, uh, given the way BYU's defense has played the last three weeks, giving up 40 a game, and uh, but. That's going to be a challenge for BYU against those guys. I think so. And, I mean, in particular, you talk about C.J. Johnson and his relationship with Holton Aylers. It goes back to high school. Mm -hmm. There's a good continuity there that I think has really paid dividends for them. And he knows where to go with the football if things go awry on a particular play. And so that relationship has been special. But they've got weapons. I mean, our crew call this morning, we talked about a big three, and really it's a big four. You talked about Mitchell and Johnson, Winstead, and and Aylers, all, all those guys tons of experience that uh, are going to pose a problem, and they, they have all year long. We've seen it in the AAC. We'll see it again tonight. If BYU and East Carolina do get into a shootout, what do you make of Jaron Hall and Pukunakua and the BYU offense, who have looked brilliant at moments, yeah. and then at Liberty from the second quarter on, just kind of 
huge head scratcher. So where are you with the BYU offense if this goes to a shootout? Well, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because BYU is without its leading rusher tonight, is without its leading receiver tonight, as we all know. And, and so for Puka Nakua, I, I, I'm looking, he's got to touch the football 15 times. And, and I don't think they want to line him up as a running back, you know, five or six times, but to guarantee touches, you're going to have to do that some. So can he create some plays there? What, what does that look like in the screen game, you know, getting him the ball? He's got to touch it a bunch. And I, I told our crew this morning, I was like, we need to have a counter on, on how many times he touches. Yes. We need to have the telestration ready to go if he lines up in the backfield or where he is because, you know, it's a big part of the offense. And then for Jaron Hall, I think he's healthier now. I, I think that makes a big difference. He's practiced all week. He's getting all the reps and the snaps that he needs. You know, that didn't really happen against Notre Dame a few weeks back when things started to turn south. That matters. Um, you know, I, I don't know what happened the second half against Liberty. It's just like I, I watched them like this, this doesn't look like what so I expect. Yeah. weird. Weird game. It was strange. Yes. Yeah, it really was. Because he's on NFL boards, but certainly Notre Dame and Liberty haven't helped in that regard. He was, he was lauded a potential first-round guy earlier in the season, perhaps off of that right now. But he has a few games to get back in it. Back to Puka, by the way. Once every six touches, he's scoring. It's yeah. just crazy. And I, I love, hey, get him the ball. But I also think, eh, it's a little sign of desperation when you throw him in the backfield. Like, this is what we have to do to get this done. But BYU's a, a this is the same team that beat Baylor here early in the year. Now, Baylor's struggled a little bit. Still a good still team. Good team. Still a good team. But it's also a team that got worked by Liberty. So we don't we watch BYU every week. We don't even know what BYU we're going to get here yeah. tonight. I don't know if BYU knows what BYU they're going to get here tonight. No, I I, I don't. And I don't think that they know. And I, I think with Coach Shiitake, you know, he's looking at the team, trying to press the right buttons, taking over defensive sure. play calling, and, sure. and trying to massage that a little bit into a better direction. I will say this, listening to, to Puka talk this week, I love his demeanor. Like, it, we, we talked to Jaron Hall, and, and I liked his demeanor too and what he said to us. But with Puka, you know, there, there's an energy about him that I would like to see kind of permeate throughout the rest of the team. I think that potential is there. I think they're going to start fast tonight. Again, the question is, how do you handle adversity? And it may be up to Puka, Jaron, to just kind of lift these guys yeah. up when, when they need it. But, you know, Puka, he, he gets done with the press conference. Adios, go Cougs. I, I, I just love his vibe and kind of what he's doing. They need more of that from this team right yeah, now. Yeah, and I'm glad you keep bringing up adversity because it has struck in a major way, primarily in the second quarter. The second quarter yeah. has been an absolute disaster for BYU this season. I want to say they're minus 80 in the second quarter after the Liberty I don't game. think it's that high, but it's high. I mean, it's, I'll look so, it up right it's now. so well, bad. The, the starts have been good. I mean, against Liberty, the start was great. Yes. That's exactly yeah. what you want. start wanted. against Arkansas was good. Absolutely. Yep. Second quarter, the wheels kind of fall off against the Razorbacks and against the Flames. And minus so, 58. Minus 58. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Okay, so minus 58 in the second quarter alone. Plus 52 in the first. I mean, what, yeah. how, how do you address something like so, that? So, to me, when I hear that, I, I look at the game plan going in, and, you know, they're going to look at scripting some plays and certain sequences with A-Rod and, and with Jaron and trying to get things going. That, that script, everything looks good because they're starting the way they need to. Other teams are making adjustments. Okay, what do we do to adjust better? When you look back and self-scout yourself, and we talk with coaches about this across the country every single week, what are we doing where we've got to get better, where we've got to improve? And so I think tonight, you know, again, that that's under the spotlight. I, look, East Carolina's probably going to put up some points. It's going to be imperative for Puka to get going, Jaron to get going. However that happens, what's the cheat code where you find a way <laughs> to generate yards on third down, on third and medium, 
on third down and short and just keep the drive going. Like it, it may be that simple if this game gets into a shootout and, and things start, you know, going north of 30 points at some point. Last, and I think it will, uh, the, the total is 63 and a half. I'm taking the over on that. Like <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a shootout. And, and when you look at uh, the last three games, BYU's allowed the other team an average of 37 minutes of possession. The defense isn't getting off the field. BYU's not yeah. able to run the ball. I think if BYU can't run the ball tonight, it's going to be tough. You yeah. can't just say, hey, Jaron, go win it. That's that's what they've tried to do against uh, a couple of teams and didn't didn't work last few weeks. That, that, that sounds cliche. You say we got to run the ball, we got to stop the run. It's as simple as that. For BYU tonight, I mean, I haven't mentioned it yet, but going back to our coaches' meetings, it, it feels like that that's imperative. And and where can you generate those rush yards? Where can you find a way on third down and whatever to sneak and keep the drive going? And and, and that's going to be critical for ECU. Same thing. I mean, these teams they want to do some wide zone action. They want to get their backs going. You know, ECU is without its top back, and Harris, who's been injured the last couple weeks, he's out for the year, but they've got Keaton Mitchell, who we've talked about a little bit. That's Harris explosive. is a better back than Mitchell. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell's an 1,100-yard guy. Yeah. Harris is from my neck of the uh, my territory in South Carolina. He went to Burns High School, a powerhouse nationally. and Yeah, he's he's pretty explosive, Jeez. but he's on the shelf. One one BYU player told me yesterday that Mitchell is the fastest running back they've seen all year. That really? includes Oregon. Okay. He's, that's, he's some, that's, that's something. He yeah. is quick. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Dave, start us off. ECU Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick said the following about BYU fans, quote, they're really nice when you get there, <laughs> and then they get rowdy. What's he saying? Is he is that an insult or is it just they're, they're really nice and then they then they get the get into the game? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's an insult, but I I think that there is there's something to that. Like, hey, don't let don't let their uh, smiles and kindness fool you. Like when the football game starts, the fans are gonna bring it. At least he didn't say they're nice, and then they start throwing car batteries. Yeah, at you. exactly. None of that. None of that. But, but come on, heckling, jeering—it's part of the deal. There's a really good chance that that East Carolina will be all of that, and not hear a swear word the whole time. <laughs> so I don't even know how bad it can get when you don't go there. Yeah, we're not BYU fans for the most part. Don't go there. Yeah. There will be no burritos thrown at ECU's players. <laughs> Just looking at you, Georgia Southern. Yeah. And no one's throwing <laughs> cougar tails or two No. Delicious. I can throw those. Yeah. Listen, BYU fans want to destroy your football team, and then they'll give you free ice cream in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's all good. Fantastic. According to multiple Twitter reports, Dave, BYU basketball beat Stanford in a secret scrimmage over the weekend. My question is, can BYU football make it 2-0 against the Cardinal in essentially a month? You know what, here's the thing. In the scrimmages, there's no fans or media allowed in. In the game down there at the farm, 20,000 BYU fans will be there. Come on, descend so, on yes, the farm. BYU can beat them down there. And I expect them to. It'll make for a great Thanksgiving weekend, just like they did when they went over to USC and sure. beat the Trojans last year. Now here's the good news for BYU's defense against Stanford's offense when we're talking football. Stanford does not have an explosive offense. That bodes well for a defense that's looking for confidence and has struggled, right? That said, it's a road game. Might be in the afternoon. I don't know. We'll see. But BYU is absolutely capable of beating a team like Stanford in the regular season. Absolutely. absolutely. They are capable of doing that. Should have beat Notre Dame, and then Stanford beat Notre Dame. I'm like, well, BYU should beat both those teams. For sure. Yeah. 
All right, they say timing's everything, and Spencer, at last night's blue-white game, you <laughs> proved that that was true with your interview with Andy and Holly Toulson. Let's listen. As his mom, what's what's the best advice you can give to a kid that's transitioning to college into the Division One life of a basketball player? Just take it one day at a time. Don't get too impatient. Do your time. Yes! <laughs> and the shots will fall. They really will. Just take it at a time. Quite literally, the shots will fall. I think you are the good... This was all meant to be, right? Meant to be, for sure, yeah. Tanner loves this, so he's going to be excited that we're on TV. I don't know. I appreciate that you planned. Did you plan that? Well, I had a good feeling when Tanner put on that <laughs> white jersey and switched from the blue team to the white team. He recruited. He got a he got an eye out and went to the other team. Yeah, he, he won that game. No, he he hit a three right before we went to the Toulson, so you had the perfect toss over to me, and then he made another three while I was interviewing. That that's exactly how I planned it to be, Dave. It's so good to have the Toulsons back and have another yeah, one on the floor. For sure. Jimmer Fredette's gonna play for Team USA and their three-on-three team in the America Cup. The three-on-three team did not qualify for the Tokyo Olympics, so will Jimmer be the face for U.S. basketball? and their three-on-three -three squad as a redeemed team in 2024? Absolutely, absolutely. Spread the floor, no one, no one guy can guard Jimmer. You can just do whatever he wants. Can you imagine watching Jimmer Fredette compete for a gold medal? Like, that's an Olympic story dream for Bob Costas and Mike Tirico and all those guys. I'd actually watch that Olympic event. <laughs> I think it can happen, and uh, that, that would be, you can't guard him. Gold in 2024. <laughs> BYU women's basketball opens their season with an exhibition game tonight against Westminster. It'll be the first time since 2001 that a Cougar women's hoops team takes the floor without Jeff Judkins at the helm. Strange. So how much pressure do you think Amber Whiting's feeling this morning? Well, I know that she's feeling some pressure. Yeah. That said, it's an exhibition. So I think she's just excited to figure out what she has. Yeah. You know, and so I think she's more excited than she is feeling pressure for this specific game. She knows she has an elite rebounder and I think that will help every coach. Certainly. It was reported that Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson worked out on his team's airplane in the aisle for four hours of the flight to London four hours. while his teammates slept, or at least tried to sleep. Dave, what would you do if Blaine Fowler worked out for four hours while you tried to sleep on an intercontinental flight? First thing I'd do is I'd wake up, I'd get my laptop out, and then I'd go to, say, The Gap and I would order some adult-sized shirts for him. <laughs> Since he likes to wear kid shirts so his guns look bigger. Ryan Logan does the same thing. So that I'd do that, and if I couldn't go back to sleep, I would say, for the love, I'm going to first class. Yes. I'll see you when we land. But yeah, I, you know what? We learned some things about athletes like Russell Wilson here, and you're just like, I don't know. When did that seem like a good idea? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. Once again, it's time for what's trending. And we go right back to BYU football, Dave. Four and four, three-game losing streak. <sighs> Have we really come to this point where BYU and their bowl eligibility may be on the line in tomorrow night's game? What do you think? Does BYU's bowl eligibility hinge on a win or loss tomorrow night against East Carolina? feels like it. It feels like it because they don't know who they are. They find themselves, especially early in that game, 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, you beat East Carolina, then, then you got a shot at beating Boise State. They're not world beaters, but they'll beat a team that doesn't know who they are. And then Stanford at the, at the end of the month. So Utah Tech's in there, too. They need two wins to get bowl eligible. It does feel like, because of their inability to kind of know who they are, that, that all of that self-identity resurrection stuff rides on tomorrow night. Now, based on the football power index from ESPN, it is clear that the ECU game is the most winnable of the remaining three FBS foes. And it's because BYU's playing at home, yeah. where they've been way better. It's a night game. We've chronicled that ad nauseum, how much better BYU has been under the lights. But... 56% chance BYU has to beat East Carolina at Lavelle Edwards Stadium tomorrow night. If Boise State and Stanford were playing at East Carolina, I would pick East Carolina to beat those two teams. Absolutely. The Pirates have been so good at home. Yeah, but they're here, and that's different. they got to travel the two time zones on a short week and play in mid-40s, and maybe that's a weird thing. Couple that with BYU and the confidence that they have when they play at night. I don't know. I feel like it's just... Throwing Halloween weekend. You know, just yeah. add that in there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Please don't dress up as a pirate, BYU fans. Yeah. Okay, don't, do, don't do Johnny that. Johnny Depp can be on Monday. Has it come to the point where we're that fickle, where it's like, yeah, like there's a mental edge to BYU playing at night. I think we've gotten there, Dave. Like, I, whatever, whatever BYU needs, you go there. Like If that's what they have to hang their hat on, we don't lose at home at night, great. The numbers don't lie. It's incredible. It's incredible the difference between day and night with this football team, and, uh, and when and we do that, we bring the numbers together, and it's like, wow, I don't know how the team feels about that stuff. I don't even know if they chart these kinds of things, but we do, and it's impressive, and you don't want to play BYU at night, no, especially in Provo. And you know what? We're, look at these. Look at, look at the defensive effort after dark. I love this. Defense after dark. BYU's giving up just 21 points a game when they play at night. Total defense, 309 yards. Compare that to the other games where BYU is surrendering 531-plus yards per game. Pass defense significantly better by 113 yards per game. And the rush, the yards per rush, over two yards per rush better when you're playing defense at night. It just, it's insane. But there's something there. All those numbers feed the energy in the stadium. you got to give a shout-out to The Rock. Because at night, they've, they've had a few Sprites and a few Cougar Tails and sugar content is sky high. They're different. Everything's different at night. The rock, that, that student section gets energized and jacked up. We saw it affect how many games? You know, you go back to Arizona State last year, Utah last year, earlier this year. Teams have a hard time playing in that end of the stadium when the rock's engaged and it's at night. So you got to factor them in as the 12th man, 13th or 14th. Maybe they need 15 this, this weekend, but uh, I, I, I like it because, you know, we grew up with day games, and then all of a sudden night games came around. It's like, ooh, the energy here. I remember the first night game at Wrigley Field. It didn't feel right, but it was cool. It was special. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, we can play in 65 degrees instead of 95 degrees. Let's do that. And then all of a sudden night games became a thing, at least in our world. And now, now it's a rarity that you play in the afternoon. You almost have to play on BYU TV to play in the afternoon, like the Utah Tech game at 1.30 coming up uh, November 19th. But, um, hey, I think it's, thank goodness it's at night. Sure. Yeah. I know that the time of day and the time of game does not win a game. But, my goodness, these statistics are eye-popping. Uh, and even under Kalani Sataki on Friday in general, BYU's 8-3 uh, with Coach Sataki at the helm. 
ECU 5-11 in their last 16 on Friday nights, which is also worth noting, right? And they're yeah. playing on the road, and the Pirates, again, as good as they've been, they got a great quarterback, really capable, solid offense. They don't play relatively well away from home. No. And they got to come to cold weather. So all the elements are in place away from the actual combat to favor BYU. Then they kick it off, and someone's got to tackle somebody. Someone's got to catch a ball. Yes. Someone's got to make a right play call at the right time. And then that's how you, you know. But, but all the elements are in place to help this team help itself. BYU will become bowl eligible in a de facto sort of way if they beat ECU on Friday night. Uh, because they're going to beat Utah Tech. Right. They will have six wins. You beat ECU. You have essentially guaranteed yourself six wins, and you're going to be playing in the college football bowl season. Beat ECU tomorrow night. You should go beat Boise State, and you should go beat Stanford. Because th this is the, the, the like we, we talked about earlier, this, the, the team that won all those games leading up to Friday night is the same team that's lost the last three. We just got to get them reminded that, you oh, can wait win. a sec. You can win a game. We're BYU, and we're actually pretty good. And so why not go beat those teams? They're not world beaters. Um, but, but if they lose tomorrow, you know, then, then well, kind of like what we've had the last few weeks, you yeah. know, weeping and wailing and mourning and, and everything's <laughs> wrong in the world. All it's going to take us a one point win tomorrow night. We're just like, you know what? Uh, we're going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Five Let's and four. Boise. Five and four. Yeah. You're going to be bowl eligible to beat Utah Tech. And then there is hope restored for sure that maybe BYU can string something together and go and beat Boise State. Confidence is such a fickle beast. Yeah, and that's what is fascinating about fans because um, we're not playing the game, but our emotions are in the game, and our emotions are all weak. And uh, even, even last night, depending on what you were looking at in the, in the blue-white game, if you were expecting Jimmer Fredette to come out and all those other guys, well, then you left going, I can't believe Jimmer Fredette. We're, we're terrible. We don't have this and that. But if you're looking at, hey, what do we got? It's the start of a new journey with these guys and these personalities. Then all of a sudden you get engaged and, and you enjoy the ride as a fan. BYU fans in football have enjoyed the ride. Um, but, uh, but losses are, man, losses are the worst. I sent out a poll question yesterday to kind of gauge where BYU football fans are mentally, and yeah. I gave them four options. I said, okay, where are you mentally right now? Are you buying into Kalani like he's going to fix it? BYU's going to go eight and four. They're going to win the back four in the regular season. Or are you of the mindset of whatever, just get bowl eligible? And then the, there are the options of essentially, uh, I've given up on this season. I'm in the <laughs> fan transfer portal. And then I'm still mad about Liberty, right? Yeah, yeah. So surprisingly, 23% um, of the responses, and there were a good number of votes, said, I believe in Kalani to, to turn this thing around, eight and four. And I thought, man, I, I appreciate the hope and optimism of BYU. But why not? Why not? We expect him to be 10 and two. Like, I, and I will say this. I am hanging my hat on his ability in week two calling the defensive yeah. plays to get his guys right. Even with all the injuries... With all the guys out, the linebacking core is going to look a lot different this Friday night. They're super banged up. Peyton Wilgar, we don't know if Max Tooley's going to play. I get it, but this is week two of Kalani Satake calling the plays and running the show on defense. And when Bronco Mendenhall did that in 2010 and 2014, it typically took a couple of weeks before you started to see the difference in the defense. And I expect that will happen tomorrow night in, in line with the night game. And all of the metrics and all the good stuff that goes along there with playing at home in the cold temperatures, ECU happened to travel two time zones, and BYU being historically good on Friday night yeah. under the lights. Just imagine the energy in the stadium 
if BYU has a three and out on defense. Oh, man. Oh, my In the first quarter. Oh, my goodness. Think about this. So East Carolina comes out. They got the ball, and they get three plays, and then the punter has to come out. That moment alone (laughs) might be the large, just because of how it's gone the last weeks, might be the largest applause of the night. I want BYU fans to cheer (laughs) as equally loud for a third down stop as they do for scoring points tomorrow night because third down stops have been few and far between. It feels easier to score points right now for BYU than it does to get a third down stop, which is nuts. We talked about 23 and 1 in games after 6 p.m. since 2019. If you just start that fact in 2020, 19 and 0 in games that start after 6 p.m. local time. We're starting at 6.05 local time tomorrow night. <laughs> so we got that going for us, we, which is nice. We slid the kick time back five minutes just to make sure that it's in that If we window. were ever about to kick out before 6, someone just hit the power, and then we'll just wait a couple minutes and sure. power back up. But th- there is, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie, and uh, I, th- I think it's energy and, uh, and, and focus and, and excitement, which BYU has not had, sure. didn't have it in the Notre Dame game, although the crowd tried to do it. Tried to do it against Arkansas, but once they fell behind, it was just the air left. And then last week was, we're still not sure, sure which sure. team that was. I do need to say this. There were a few people that sent me messages uh, on the social media platforms that said, Spencer, it doesn't matter. when this, this team is in such a funk. It doesn't matter the night, the whole thing. It'll be interesting to see if, if again, this, this night game dominance is restored even with a three-game losing streak and BYU seemingly bottoming out right now. Well, Hans Olsen's coming up. Let's ask him. I'm fascinated Let's ask by him this if game. Friday night felt different yes. for the guys. I'm so fascinated by this game. Yeah. Can't wait for it. You know, the, the beauty of these games is they're six and seven days apart. And so by the time you go through the five stages of emotion, <laughs> whether you won or lost, we you get back around to Friday, or, and all of a sudden it's like, it's time for another game. Uh, yeah, I've reached acceptance. Let's go. I'm in acceptance <laughs> mode right now. All right, our second big topic on this, on this day. Uh, the, what were your impressions of the scrimmage last night? We called it on BYU TV. Uh, there was a lot of fun. There was a little energy in the arena. There was sure. a good crowd on hand. It was free. They could just show up, or they could stay home and watch it. And, uh, and I was so curious to see what all these guys were going to look like. It was exactly what I expected it to be, yeah. which is just defensive chaos, <laughs> sloppy, a lot of effort, a lot of sprinting up and down the floor, blocked shots, because we've heard about this for the past yeah. few weeks and few months, for that matter, from Mark Pope. He loves the length of his team. He loves the speed that they play at. He loves their energy. He says our conditioning is going to be elite when it comes to you know, BYU compared to the rest of Division I teams. So it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Just sloppy, chaos, fun, up and down. It was, yeah, it was really good. I like the defensive chaos and defensive energy that, that BYU is going to play with this year. It's not going to be beautiful basketball, Dave. No, but they showed some full-court press, which I like. It was interesting. And they've got some speed to do it uh, and, and, uh, and length in the arms. Not very tall, but they're, but they're long. Um, and you say, well, what does that even mean? Well, for Foose is 6'5", but when he puts his hands up, now he's... Now he's seven one. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then he can jump. So that 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 length really matters, especially in in a, in a zone press and, and just playing basic defense. Sure. And I want to point out a couple of specific defensive plays in this defensive chaos. Uh, there was a scenario, and I was I happened to be uh, giving a report on Trey Stewart when this happened, right. talking about pickle juice and Powerade. That's the kind of night it was. Guys right? were cramping up. They were cramping up, so pickle juice was... And then Gideon George blocks a shot and then follows it up about a second and a half later and blocks another shot. Yeah. And I just thought, 
I like this. Again, it's not like the most beautiful style of basketball, but maybe you ask the BYU coaches and they think it's beautiful in the way that it's muddied up. And it's winning just, is beautiful. Absolutely. I think uh, winning ugly is so much better than losing nicely. I, I love the block shots. Dallin Hall, tell you what, I really, really like what he's going to do for BYU basketball. Um, uh, he was the player that... I aspired to be when I was playing high school basketball, right? Just the way he plays with toughness defensively, no fear on offense. But he had a sequence where he blocks a shot at the rim and snags that ball, mouth guard in his mouth, down the floor, pull up, transition three, knocks it down. Super confident player. I love what he's doing along with the other two return missionary freshmen, Richie Saunders and Tanner Toulson. They just kind of play with no fear. And yeah. the moment's not too big. And I really, really like that. I don't know what the season's going to be, Dave. Right. BYU might win 18 games. They might win 22 games. Um, but I tell you what, it's going to be a battle every time you take the floor against BYU because they will go high energy the entire game. And fans want to see effort. I think one thing about the Liberty football game is fans hated the effort. It looked like there was no effort. Um, Throw a basketball team that's going to show effort uh, for, 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 what, 35 games or whatever? That's must-see TV. I want to see what the guys are going to do tonight. And So you're right. I I, I love that for a lot of those guys, it was the first time they had a BYU jersey on. It was the first time time they were playing in front of people since their missions or or since there were other schools they were at. So it was their first taste of BYU basketball, and and I thought that that was cool. We got an exhibition game next week, and we'll see how they work their lineup. Sometimes there is power in playing with unknown expectations. And BYU men's basketball doesn't have a ton of, like, set-in-stone expectations. We're all kind of just like, well, let's just see what happens. And sometimes that can be hugely advantageous. We do know what it's like to play with expectations that are enormous, (laughs) even insane. Uh, And and that's what the football team's doing. Yeah, I was going to say, you couldn't be referencing BYU football right now, could you? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, We're going to bring on a hero of sorts uh, in our lives, friend of the program. Hans Olsen is with us on BYU Sports Nation, looking very sharp in a tie. Hans, I think everyone is wondering how in the world BYU writes this ship, my friend. Uh, You have spoken a lot about that uh, to your specific audience, and certainly BYU fans on BYU Sports Nation want to hear what you think about this, but what's the most fixable thing for BYU this week? Well, two things start defensively. Number one, if you can just fix contain, that is going to do a world of good for you and your team. Fix, contain. There are a couple of factual things that you'll never be able to escape from football. There's a couple of truths, football truths. One of them is you must contain. Every play, there has to be contained responsibility. For one reason or the other, BYU has continued to lose contain. So fix, contain. That's number one. Number two, on any run down in distances, Anything that could be perceived as a run down a distance. Make sure your linebackers are on their toes and ready to come downhill and meet a lineman to stop the run. Those are the two most disappointing things for me. Now, there's some physicality issues and 
There's even some athlete-to-athlete issues. But the two most disappointing things for me, controlling contain, because I can control contain. And number two, getting on your toes and coming downhill as a linebacker to meet in the gap and make sure that that run game is shut down. Those two things, Spencer, have to change coming up on Friday night. Hans, let's go back to, to your playing days, and you had to deal with adversity as well. And, and when your defense would huddle up uh, and no one's quite sure who's going to make the play, how lonely of a feeling is that? And how quick can someone turn the switch and say, you know what, this week I'm going to do it? It, it, can, it can turn. And you came in with a cut from Kalani saying this is where heroes are found. And Kalani was a hero back in my day. Uh, Kalani and I were the same class together and played for three years after he got back from his mission together. And Kalani was one of those guys in the offensive huddle that could turn things around. And Rob Morris, for those that remember the freight train, he was in our huddle and he was very direct, didn't pull punches, made sure that everybody understood what he thought about them, what he thought about their performance and what this defense needed to do. There were some other great characters in our huddle. Uh, Chris Oak was a fantastic uh, huddle guy. Byron Frisch was a great huddle guy. Shane Rearbrook, if you go back to that 96 Cotton Bowl team, was uh, a leader that really poured down. And so, Dave, it can change. It can change really fast when you find the right voice. Somebody's got to have the voice. And I, I don't know where Max Tooley is with his injury. You know, Peyton Wilgard might have been that voice last year. You would hope that Keenan Peely could be a voice like that. Uh, you'd hope that Tyler Batty could be a voice like that. Somebody has to step up and vocalize what needs to be done and, and enforce it. Now, for what it's worth, Hans, you brought up Tyler Batty. He has called out his teammates when I interviewed him last Saturday night and said, look, it's all on the players. And he's been vocal early this week in team meetings as well. So maybe there's something there. Uh, I tend to agree with you. He seems like the personality and type that could be a team leader there. But the fact that we're at this point of the season, going into game number nine, and we're still wondering who the emotional leaders are on this team is, some, is disconcerting. I mean, how much of an impact does that have on a locker room when you don't know where to look for that type of emotional and vocal leader? If you don't have one that's a staple that, that you've relied on, it, it can be really difficult. But that doesn't mean that one can't appear. That doesn't mean that one can't surface. Guys can come around and they can make an impact. And, you know, one thing that I saw, Spencer, in this game, I saw that Kalani was making some decisions to put some freshmen out on the field. And it's almost like he's looking for that guy. He's looking for the guy that steps up, makes a couple of big plays, forces a fumble, stuffs up a gap, gets a nice stop on a third and one to get the defense off the field. I feel like he's kind of searching for those. Those guys actually can surface and can make an impact when, when you find them. And all it takes is one big game that then compounds and compounds. They can find that voice. Go back to uh, Lavelle's last couple of games, talking about pressure and the need to, uh, to turn things around really fast. You got New Mexico here in the home finale, Lavelle's last game, and they have Utah and Salt Lake City to, to finish it out. You need two wins to avoid a losing season for Lavelle. This is a football team that needs to find itself and get a win tomorrow to, to improve their chances on, 
on the postseason. But are there similarities as as you took the field against the Lobos at four and six, and these guys take the field tomorrow night at four and four? Yeah, there there are a lot of similarities, and and you know I remember that moment and that year. We all wanted to give Lavelle a great send off, and we were all heartbroken with a couple of early losses. You know, we started that season out with Florida State in the Jacksonville Stadium. And I remember they had that schedule just stacked for Lavelle's last year. And we, we really didn't want to give him a send-off. And when we lost that Florida State game, it was like, well, there goes the big, big send-off. And then we let it slide a little bit. But then we all came together. We said, no, we're not doing this, this losing season stuff. So we were able to get that win against New Mexico. And that was the day that they named the stadium after Lavelle. So there was a lot of energy and emotion in that stadium. And then Lavelle's last miracle at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Utah is a game that I'll never forget. I'm sure BYU fans won't forget that we were all able to come together and there were some miracle plays in that game that led to some big things and a great finish and a finish that we all felt proud of and a finish that we felt like at least we could send Lavelle off with this energy and this effort. And it made a difference for us. Former BYU defensive standout Hans Olsen is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Incredible radio personality. He's wearing a tie just for our show today because he's that type of guy. It's not even 11 a.m. He's got a tie. <laughs> I, thought, I thought this was formal. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about the unbelievable dominance that BYU has had over the past few seasons when playing at home under the lights. And I don't want to just put it on that but do you feel like there's something extra there? Like that there's magic in the air at night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and that all of a sudden will give BYU a better chance to beat ECU tomorrow night? Well, I would say that, but I went to that Baylor game and I, that was as much magic as I've ever felt in that stadium. Uh, I don't remember exactly what time it kicked off, but I, I got to tell you, I was right there on the sideline or right by the sideline. And there was an insane amount of energy in that atmosphere. So the record shows that and I might be the opponent that they play in the evening. I always love playing under the lights. If you're asking for my uh, specific interest, I always love playing under the lights. I love those evening and night games, but, and they were rare back in my day, but I, I have never felt a, a more palpable energy in that stadium than I did against uh, when they were playing against Baylor. It was high energy, man. That that stadium is so beautiful and it's so unique and those fans are so powerful and they really did help lead BYU to a win against that Baylor team. You know, because you bring this up, Spencer and Dave, I wanted to talk about this because it's a concern of mine. You've got a couple of pretty tough losses under your belt and you've been on the road in some tough games and some tough losses. And BYU fans, I can feel it. You guys can feel it. I can feel it. There's this bubbling energy of, of anger and disappointment. I'm worried that if there's two or three bad defensive series in this game against East Carolina, that the fans that are in that stadium are going to turn on this team. And they're going to start booing, and they're going to start jeering, and, and it's going to turn. I almost feel like it'd be better for BYU to be on the road against ECU 
because at least you get the fans cheering and you don't get this negative ball of home energy if things do fail defensively. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Desperation mode activated. BYU a three-point home favorite, 56% huh? chance to win, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, when they take on East Carolina tonight. Still surprised by that. Yeah, it's it's projected to be a very close game. Jeremy, does it even matter how BYU wins as long as they win tonight? It does not matter, Spence. I, I do not care about the means. We're, we cannot be that picky. Uh, beggars aren't choosers in this case. BYU a beggar it with three losses in a row with a talented 5-3 and three ECU team that very easily could be 6-1 and one had they uh, sealed the deal against North Carolina State and uh, Navy. Uh, great comeback against Memphis. Certainly could have lost that one too. But this is a team that just worked by 21 UCF last week. Took the ball away four times. Took it to the 5-1 and one UCF Knights who the week before had put up a 70 spot on Temple. I am intimidated by how good ECU's offense is in particular. Understandably. I, given BYU, even if BYU's defense was good, BYU's defense isn't even okay right now. It's terrible. They need to play way better, obviously. And, uh, you know, you gave up 52 against Arkansas, who is uh, right now kind of middle of the pack SEC team. What is an American team that's kind of in the upper echelon in ECU? What do they bring? Uh, it's a short week. They're traveling far. Traveling west, not a, as big a deal as traveling east in terms of sure, the time, sure. right? They're going, they're going back in time. You know, Marty <laughs> McFly showing up for ECU. Like, not a big deal. But it's, it's this ECU offense and the ballers. I'll get to that later in okay, game notes okay. uh, in the program. That intimidates me because they've got a quarterback, a running back, and two wide receivers that are top ten in something in the country. And, and that makes me nervous because the BYU defense has been Swiss cheese the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about it. 40 points a game allowed the last three average. Not great. 7.3 yards per play. Six yards a carry. Nine yards per pass attempt. You want to be like sub eight there, right? Six yards a carry is the one that concerns me the most. That's a big one. Keaton Mitchell is legit. One BYU player told me yesterday he's the fastest fastest running back we will have faced this season. Faster than Oregon. Faster than Oregon. And here's one that uh, let's break down. 37 minutes of possession allowed to the opposing team. For that to go down, there's two things that need to happen. Obviously, BYU's defense has got to get off the field. But BYU's got to be able to run the rock. Stop playing from behind. Stop saying, hey, Jaron, carry us with your injured shoulder. I know Aaron Roderick said, hey, he's 100%. He can't be 100% the way he's played the last couple weeks, right? The if he's a hundy and he's delivering those performances, that's tough. Yeah, the numbers tell the story. Since he took yes. that hit against Utah State, he's been a different quarterback. And he was good against Arkansas in spite of that. But Notre Dame, obviously different. Didn't take hardly any reps that week. Um, and so, yeah, you got to be able to run the ball. Chris Brooks is out. So Miles Davis and Lopini Katoa got to – Got to show up tonight and help BYU at least. If you don't score, you got to get a couple first down, first downs, chew up a few minutes, give the defense a rest, get back out there, and hopefully they get a couple of takeaways. BYU defense got to play better. The offense got to play better too. This isn't a hundred percent on the defense. The offense has to play complementary football. I don't care how BYU wins this game as long as they win. This is the scenario where you've been wandering in the wilderness for a while. You're starving. You're thirsty, and you come down from the foothills, and you're like. Ah, oh, the golden arches. Not high-quality food. But you know How what? How dare you? I you're love gonna, McDonald's. You're going to run into McDonald's, and you're going to order the worst thing on the menu because it tastes so great. The, 
How uh, like I get McDonald's weekly. Can you imagine? You're starving. BYU is starving for a win, and they've been wandering. You come down, and you—that's the only restaurant you can. You imagine, like, ah, I'll hold up. Why are you dumping on America's I'll number one restaurant? For, I'll hold up for something better. Wait, I get you know. Let me help. Let me help this analogy because you've offended me with McDonald's. It's it's that fat. It's that post fast off fast Sunday potluck. In a student Everything ward where it's delicious. terrible. Everything tastes delicious. But it tastes delicious. Uh, yes. Let me give you another analogy. I'm on my Mijan trip in uh, Brazil. And for some reason in southern Brazil, they love cabbage. But, like, it's dry. I craved cabbage suddenly when I was down there. And I had it. And I was like, that was amazing. And then later I was like, what the heck? I don't like cabbage. That was so dry. That was crazy. Maybe later we'll think that about an ECU win if BYU wins 10 to 7. But right now, you are right. We are hungry. Starving. Day hungry. Starving. It does not matter. The quality of food, the quality of win does not matter. A win is the most important thing. Yeah, I, I would take. You just need a meal. Who cares what's in front of you? I would take 2 nothing. This is like the rare instance where I would take a safety to nothing Take win. this random collection of <laughs> mountain berries and wood chips that have some form of protein. Okay, wood chips? I'm starving. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're not buffalo no, chips. It does not matter how BYU wins this game as long as they win. They want We always talk about, man, it's you know, it stinks to like learn through a loss, and it's way better to learn and get better through a win. BYU sure. can play the ugliest football game ever tonight. I don't care if they give up 54. As long as they score 55, awesome. Bring Toledo 2016. Do we care about that? No. We talk about Jamal Williams and his five touchdowns and his 286 rushing yards. Talk about Like, uh, oh, we gave up 53 points, though. Who cares? You won the game. That is what it's it's about. Like, desperation mode activated. Just win the game, whether it's 2 to nothing, 7 to 6. 10-9, 10-9, 55-54, I don't care. Win the game and feast on whatever is in front of you. It'll be better than eating nothing. What if BYU needs to make a field goal tonight to win? Ed Lamb revealed on Monday on Coordinator's Corner that Jake Oldroyd is back as the starting place kicker. He should be. What if BYU needs a kick and this time it goes in? Hero that would mode. be nice. Hero I, mode. It, it, yeah. Redemption. I would love the redemption story involved there. That's what it came down nice. to, and Jake made the kick. Means don't matter. Means just, no, just don't. Win the end game. game. We're in the end game now. We're in the end game now. All right. With that, with that in mind, let's get to uh, some game day guarantees. Eat, people. It's time for your BYU Sports Nation game day guarantees. Guarantees. Yeah, right. To be wrong. Hey. Wait. Is Mike still on? I'm 50%. Come on, Ben. 12 for 24. I can't talk crap on 50% because I'm worse than that. <laughs> I'm sub 30. Yeah. I'm like, what am I? What, I don't even know. Sub for 24. Sub for 24. That's right around 30 That's probably my three-point percentage in pickup. 30%? Yeah. yeah, that's an okay three-point percentage. I'd take, yeah, I'm probably low. <laughs> All right, what are your game day guarantees, Jeremy? Number one, give me the over at 63 and a half. I think this is going to be a shootout. Okay, so for those that aren't aware of the over, this is total points projected by our friends in the desert. Like the total I'm not friends between with them. ECU and BYU combined. You think it's going to be 64 or more? Yeah. I think there's a lot of points. I hope okay. many from Brigham. Okay. Number two, 600 plus combined pass yards between uh, Holton Aylers and Jaron Hall. Strangely, that feels very safe. A lot, <laughs> lot of pass yards going on tonight. I feel safe. Despite it being cold and maybe a little uh, moist or whatever, yeah. Okay, number three. Here we go. I'm going to reverse curse myself, okay? Ooh. The people that don't like when I say 17 plus for BYU. I'm going the opposite. I'm going ECU 17 yes. plus. In an attempt yes. to reverse this and get BYU a dub, we are summoning I love all it. Let's go. 
non. I'm gonna uh, stand up. I'm gonna stand devil. up and clap for Thank this. Thank you. Here. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. Let's give it up for, for yeah, you. yeah. Seventeen plus. Curse. Let's go. Hey. Reverse curse. Let's go. Let's get this done. Plus hey, I've always wanted to do Wolf Blitzer CNN thing where we stand up, and now you're seeing that I'm wearing sweats today. So there you go. There you go. Those, those are my three. Nobody cares. It's freezing. I know. Totally th there's no usher going. Where's your pass? Totally understandable. All right. 17 plus reverse curse ECU. Number one, Jerem. ECU will have at least one series of three and out tonight. Of course they I will. At, at least one? <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm mailing it in because BYU's been so bad on third down defense. Come on, please. If there's not one three and out, oh, we're in for a bit. need to be long night. Three or five. I'm, I'll take just third down stops in general. You don't have to go three and out. I'm thinking like one three and out. Just give me <laughs> one. one three and out. Oh, I need to mail it in like that more. I was going to be like, everyone will be cold. Okay. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> Number two. And these are like, again, mine are like, please. Like, like I am pleading for these. <laughs> one three and out. Number two. BYU, pl please? BYU will finally not be outscored in the second quarter. Fine. Like second That'd quarter be has nice. been a disaster these for your, BYU this these season. These are your Garen, please. Guarantee, if I guarantee, I guarantee, BYU will not be outscored <laughs> in the second quarter. Please rush for <laughs> like please. 30 yards or something. I do feel like it's the first team to 30 wins. I think it's going to be a shootout for sure. First I, team to score 30, you're going to win this game. Well, if it's a shootout, I mean they're going to trade, so it's not guaranteed that the first to get that. Well, the, oh, because they're over 63 and a half, like they're thinking like a 33-30 game. You think in the fourth someone reaches 30? Yes. Someone's getting to the 40s tonight. Ooh, you think someone's going to go into the 40s? Oh, yeah, take the over, baby. Even with the cold weather? Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you a note. I hope it's BYU. I'm going to give you a note later that would suggest <laughs> that, that just maybe it's not East Carolina as the team that's getting to 40 on the road. Okay? Shocking, biased BYU opinion. I'm not just saying. I'm from us. I'm going up trends. I'm just going up trends from when I've watched them play on never the road. never claim not to be homers. We're employed by Brigham, man. <laughs> Literally we, paid by do BYU. Do we want BYU to win this game? <laughs> First 30 wins. Those are the guarantees. Yeah, that was a circus. Circus We music almost circus made it segment. to the post, the end of the song. Holy Almost. Cow. We're like five seconds. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. In an LA Times interview, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov Klio said, George. quote, eventually we'll catch those guys, end quote, in reference to the 70 million each Big Ten school beginning in their new media rights deal, to which Brett McMurphy tweeted, Big Ten's new media rights deal, about 70 million annually. Uh, George Klyovkov said that. We're looking in, uh, to be looking at expansion. Sources, Pac-12 adding Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, and Real Madrid. Uh, what? Listen, I, I know that he wants to be ambitious, and it's great. He's, he's got great vision. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Why, what? They're not going to catch the Big Ten. What is it? Like, we're talking about USC, and USC UCLA? UCLA, Ohio State, and Michigan. Okay, the and Pac Penn State and Michigan State. The Pac-12 is not going to be on that level. It just never will be. Only the SEC can rival that. Exactly. That's the only school that has a shot. The only conference that has a shot at uh, rivaling conference. it. Yes. No, it's never going yes. to happen. Like, 
He's mad. He's in anger mode. Right? He's yeah. in denial. He's You're going through the stages of grief of losing USC and UCLA. He's in denial mode We're right now. We're all playing for third. We being the other Power Five schools, uh, conferences. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it's okay. The Pac-12 could still, like, recover and do great things and get a fantastic media rights deal, but this is just asinine. This is ridiculous. Where is it, by the way? Where's that media rights deal again? <laughs> great. I don't understand. Still waiting. Why? All right, on to happier things, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, I'm happy about that. Makes me laugh. Aaron Livingston, it does make us laugh. Yeah, the Cowboys and the Yankees, they'll save you. <laughs> Real Madrid. Well, maybe FC Barcelona. BYU women's volleyball got a huge win last night, and it was the way they played, led by Aaron Livingston with 22 kills. Abby Taylor taking over for the injured setter star, Whitney Bauer. Huge shoes to fill. She was awesome last night. Who had the bigger performance in the win? Was it Aaron or Abby? It's a good question. Uh, Abby was tremendous. BYU hit 416 last night. I'm going to go with Abby, even though Aaron's performance was unbelievable. And I told her as much after the match. It's because BYU had played a match without Whitney Bauer for the first time since 2018. It's been years. Abby Taylor stepped in, didn't skip a beat. Fantastic. Which well is pretty done, awesome. Abby. Can I say that the first set belongs to Aaron with her 10 kills, but I'll. As far as the overall match, the better performance for the entire match, hard to argue against Abby. I've That's seen huge. 10 kills in a set twice in my 16 years here. And one was last year. The other one was last year. Christian Janky Grand Canyon men's. Yes. Yeah, Aaron won the first set. Abby takes the performance. Takes the, the match, night. yeah. Lauren Gustin scored 25 points, 24 uh, rebounds in that uh, exhibition win against Westminster. Is Gustin the best basketball player on campus right now? Who else is scoring 25 points and grabbing 24 it's, rebounds? It's about uh, Barbara Walters. That's what like that, that is. Yeah. That is a 20, unbelievable. A 2020. Anyone under 35 does uh, under 30 does not get that. Jeremy, she's going to average this season probably 14 points and 14 rebounds. Like that is not out of the question Maybe for Lauren Gustin. She could average 14 and 14. So until somebody else can rival that, then yeah, Lauren Gustin's probably the best most proven basketball player on campus right now. I think Lee Kamard might think he's the best. <laughs> we'll see who steps up for the BYU men's team. I mean, there are some guys that can just... Foose might be that. He's a double-double guy. Foose might be that right? guy. But I think Lauren is better at that than Foose is right now. Yes, so. she is a double-double machine. She's literally on the preseason watch list as one of the best power forwards in the entire country. Like, yeah. When somebody for BYU men's basketball is on a list like that, okay, now we can have the conversation. Like if right? the only Childs was on the team, I think we'd be having a debate. You know what I mean? Lauren is so special for this women's basketball team. 13th-ranked BYU women's soccer hosting number 23 in conference leader Santa Clara tomorrow night at Southfield. What would a win tomorrow do for the BYU women's soccer team? Keeps WCC title hopes alive. Keeps hosting through the third round of the NCAA tournament alive. Basically, you've got to be a top eight team at yeah, that point. Yeah. Um, also, it, it continued the rivalry uh, against Santa Clara, where you know Santa Clara won the national championship two years ago and then got knocked out on its home field against BYU and PKs in the national semifinal. So. That's about as big of a regular season match as we can have, Spence, tomorrow you know, night. Strangely, BYU can beat Santa Clara head-to-head -head tomorrow night and win out and not win the conference mm -hmm. because, because they've tied ties. And they go by points. And because BYU has two ties and Santa Clara, if they went out and only have the one loss, then they would win by one point there. But it doesn't matter. So as long as BYU beats Santa Clara tomorrow night, I'm starting to care less and less about the conference championship. I'm more so focused on the RPI and BYU's national ranking because right now BYU is slated as a four seed in the approaching NCAA tournament as the second best team or second place team I should say in the West Coast Conference. Beat Santa Clara, you're going to have the best seed of any WCC team. 
Let's mm. go. Mm. Let's go. Not sure on that one. You really? Santa Clara could still have a higher seed with the line. Their RPI is 33, yeah. and they're 10 spots it's, lower in the rankings. It's about to get helped by a potential if, win against BYU. But if BYU if wins, what I'm saying is BYU beats Santa Clara, they'll have the best seed in the NCAA tournament out of the West Coast Conference. Santa Clara still might be, well, they still might be a higher seed. Ooh, I don't know. We'll see. Jamal Williams said in an interview that he roller skates when he's stressed. How good of a stressed roller skater would you be during a BYU football game? Not great. Like, just, fact, you're just going. I'm not a good roller skater in general. I'm not a good rollerblader. My grade two MCL tear would uh, signify that. Yeah, you're playing so, hurt, man. Um, no, I could never roller skate during a BYU football game. Good grief. I'll stick to pacing the sidelines. Yeah, I'll leave that to Jamal. Uh, I'm more of the, the weird uh, person. I went with some friends like two or three years ago. We all, we all went to, uh, I think it was classic, right? Just a bunch of 30-somethings just weaving in and out of teenagers. I was on a, a scooter. Oh, you were riding like, a you can ride you a ride little a scooter? You can ride a little scooter there. I can't skate with crap, no. Why well, careful for your shins with those scooters, man. That's what I told all the kids. I said, look out. <laughs> Louisville. Women's basketball coach Jeff Waltz is not a joke. Had a slide installed I in their this. practice facility. Awesome. So he and his staff could get from the second floor offices to the floor quicker. That's amazing. <laughs> Can we do that to Studio B? Darren, my question for you is how mad is Mark Pope that he didn't think of this first? Probably ticked. Because I, I could see. That's totally a Mark Pope. Thing. That would be awesome. Who doesn't want to slide in their house? Jimmy Fallon has one in his house that his kid used. Kids used to I go feel like a college to... football team of some prominence has a slide Clemson. from the second. Is it Clemson? Yeah. Uh, it's Clemson. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So th we've seen this before, but hey. We've seen this before. It's basketball, Louisville. Yesterday at Sapporo uh, Mokin tweeted at us, can we talk about the real elephant in the room regarding the BYU football slide? <laughs> Speaking of slide. Didn't start until the new Studio B came online. Obviously, the Sports <laughs> Nation karma is not what it was. So how much uh, responsibility <laughs> should we take for the three-game losing streak? Listen, sometimes it takes a little while to get used to new digs, new surroundings, new studio. Yeah, it'll come around, okay? Listen, I'm not, I'm willing to, if, if this is what it it takes for BYU football to play better, for us to say, hey, I'm sorry our new studio did not bring the karma effect like you used to, fine. Just win tonight and I'll happily <laughs> take the blame partially for BYU football not performing well since after the Baylor game when our studio went into play. We're undefeated. I don't know what <laughs> this is. Uh, no, I don't care. Just if you win tonight, great. I'll happily shoulder part of that blame. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the karma's convenient, okay? The karma's convenient. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now in the studio, Bizzle, is the head coach of BYU men's basketball, Mark Pope. We just saw you. No yeah, Connect Sports Wednesday. today. It's great Hello. to have you back. It's great. No Connect We're doing it weekly. Okay. <laughs> no, I still, I still, like, I'm still, seriously, I haven't been able to sleep for a week. <laughs> I've been taking intensive, like, instruction on Connect Four strategy since I came. Since well, I came well you won LA. in Studio A. After yeah, this but that's, the just the, that's just the, that's just the beat writer's media. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's not I live TV. <laughs> I love you all. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Hey, blue and white game tonight. We're super stoked about uh, another opportunity to see the guys and give some of these young guys a chance to play in front of fans and, you know, work through the nerves and whatnot. What excites you most about this specific blue-white game? Uh, I'm just, well, one, it's we get to introduce everybody, right, which is super fun because uh, it's a new group and, 
And two, uh, these guys just get to have their first time with lights on in the Marriott Center. Midnight Madness is awesome, but the lights are off, which makes it super special. Now the lights are on. and so no rapping from you tonight? No, no rapping today. Oh, okay. Nope, nope. That's a one time. That's a one time. One opportunity? Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> you got to take your shot, you know. <laughs> um, uh, so, but tonight these guys get to get out there and kind of get a feel for it and, and compete against each other. And uh, I'm actually... I'm actually really excited about the players competing as each other, but we've divided up the staff, Ooh. and and there could it come could come to blows. Like it's really exciting in the office right now. So we've divided the GAs, the assistants, okay. everybody. Okay. So it's a house divided right now for the yeah. next for the next eight hours. What yeah. uniforms have you chosen, by the way? We're going practice. We're going practice uniforms. Okay, practice yeah. uniforms. It they, is. they don't get to wear a real uniform until the exhibition next Wednesday. Fair okay. enough. Uh, how are the teams being divided? Um, well, there was, it, we, we've actually uh, come up with a couple different schemes. Uh, we're actually making that final decision in staff meeting right after this. And I'm telling you, it's intense. Like, there's a lot of sweat going on in this office right now. So <laughs> there's bargaining, there's trades going on. Uh, we got GMs on either side that are trying to work the phones. It's actually exciting. Will you potentially switch that at halftime as well? Maybe. We'll see. Maybe we'll starters see. and... Yeah, okay. Um, the, the, the number one priority of all parties, can, can we get out of tonight with everybody healthy? So Yes. <laughs> yes. So, whatever okay. that means. So yeah. that's goal number one. Yes, it Stay is. Stay healthy. It's What's, one, two, and three. Well, okay. What's goal number four then on that list? So, you know, we, uh, we had a uh, scrimmage against an opponent uh, last weekend, and so we had some goals there, which I was super proud of how our guys responded with this really new group. Um, and our number one uh, project last weekend was, was rebounding. The guys actually with a really small uh, team, uh, they performed at a really high level, which I was really pleased with. We, we you know, we selected an opponent that was, um, that, you know, uh, nationally was ranked in rebounding percentage offensively and defensively the last couple of years. So that was great. So we're actually gonna just shelf that. Obviously it's always a huge key. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about power plays tonight. So we've been focused on the last couple of days in practice. Um, uh, our ability to, with actions and individually, with pace and everything else, to try and uh, attract a second defender or second and a half or three defenders and then actually deliver a play out of it. So we'll be, we'll be monitoring that a lot. We're gonna talk a lot about pace, a lot about disruption. Our dim numbers will be important all season long. Defensive impact, impact yep. metric. Yep, exactly. And so um, there's a lot, a lot going on, it's fun. Okay, so you mentioned power play. Are you talking in the half court or in transition? Yeah, uh, everywhere on the court, everywhere on the court. Okay. Who can earn a second defender? That is the question. Can you earn a second defender? How can we do it together? You know, sometimes you earn a second defender by a great cut or a great screen or a slip uh, or even your voice. You can earn a second defender. So all these different ways we're trying to get a team in rotation so we can play a, a four-on-three game is really important for us. Talk to me about the challenge of, because uh, everyone always wants to speed it up. No one says, no one shows up at a job and says, I want to slow it down. Randy Bennett does. <laughs> Randy Bennett is like, we're going, and he's one of the greatest. Mind you, I'm saying that I, I have so much envy because he's such a great coach, but he's like, we are going to go slower than anybody in the country. Tony Bennett also, two of the greatest coaches in college basketball. Yeah. You guys are like, hey, you Just know the what? Bennett, we're the Bennett boys. Slower. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So uh, you want to draw the second. You, you want to get havoc and deflections and rebound, yes, yes. but also get out in transition. Yes. Those seem to be not conflicting, but challenging ideas, I guess. You just have, yeah. have to get, have the guys in great shape, I suppose. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And that's and that's 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 part of the challenge and part of the fun of it. But you also, it's a different type of shape because it's it's very much less of a grinded out. There's two types of conditioning. There's running conditioning, and there's like there's like pushing and shoving conditioning. They're two different things, right? Sometimes as a post guy, um, you know, 
you could, you know, sometimes uh, we have wearables now where you could track guys, their movement, where they go. And I could have a post guy do a 15-minute workout just playing in the post, and he could move a total distance of like 20 yards <laughs> in 15 minutes and be dead because all he's doing is lean on mm-hmm. guys. like an offensive line, yeah. right? And so there's different types of conditioning. This, we're, we're trying to get some speed and pace conditioning in every day. Coach, I want to take kind of a big picture uh note with you here and, and ask you a question about just coaching in general and dealing with adversity because during the break we were talking about the OA football and kind of the adversity that they're in right now they've lost three games in a row you've you've been through tough times as a head coach yeah. and, and you've seen your teams kind of like have waning confidence you're trying to reinstill that so what do you do to break out of a funk you know I'm not saying like you need to tell Kalani what to do but in your own circumstances what do you do to help your team deal with adversity and kind of find rediscover that that confidence and find the mojo yeah that's the magic right i mean it's first of all like what an incredible ride this team has taken us on this year i can't wait for friday like i can't wait because um, you know they you know i was i was there uh, the first game against baylor it was wild and it's just it's amazing like how grateful are we for this football team? Like, they're incredible. And, and they're going to rewrite it again on Friday. And we'll be have a whole new storyline to talk about all next week about the hope and positivity and what's going on. And so um, I think that's what you do. Like, I, I, listen, um, I think you, you seek for your leaders. I think you seek for your great guys. I think you, you find a way. Um, I've, been in, I've been in offices where we've been in a tough spot before, and there is this part of it's like, ah, man, there's just this frustration and disappointment. But also there's this anticipation and excitement of like, are we, can we turn this around? Can yeah. we figure yeah. out the answer? And as an athlete, it's almost one of the most beautiful spots to be in. Like you live for it. You live for it when people start to count you out. That's the best time. It really is. Is when people start to, you know, set you aside and count you out and underestimate you. And you're like, hey, let's go prove again who we are. I, like I, I think there's so much passion there. I know there is with this football team. It's a, it's a character trait of BYU athletics. Um, this is a, this is a great team, man, and they've taken us a great, on a great ride, and there's still a ton of football left. It's gonna be so fun. Like, let's go. And I'm glad it's Friday. Just one less oh, day to have to worry. Yes. Nope. Let's just play the game a day earlier. It seems like you'd love a season and sort of what's expected, no matter what. But this season, it feels like we don't know what to expect. Is that liberating in any way? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd use the word liberating, but I do think that we are pushing the envelope on trying to, like, we want to rediscover ourselves. You know, we talked about this a lot at me today. We had three, you know, really epic seasons. We, we were ranked in the top 25 three straight years. Two of them we finished in the top 25. Yeah. We'd gone a decade without being there for a week, right? And so we're so proud of that. And then there's this feeling that, like, we were there and we weren't even close to where we're trying to get to. And so there's that excitement of the accomplishment and then there's that feeling of like, man, we still got like five Mount Everest to climb to kind of get where we're trying to get to. And so we have this space right now where we're rethinking everything. And um, we got a really exciting team where we get a chance to do this and, and we're gonna learn a lot this year. Um, we got a young nucleus that I think has a chance to grow and if we can stay together and if we can keep getting better every day kind of with a revised concept of how we can raise our ceiling. I mean, it's, just, it's super exciting. So I, I don't know about any of the you know, perception or expectations. I just feel so much excitement about like, we're gonna try and build something that's really special.
Is the strength of this team your conditioning and your ability to get up and down the floor? If not, what is it? Well, I, I do feel like we have. I feel like we have a strength in our length. You know, we played against a team that was much bigger than us this past weekend, and and we didn't feel small, which was which was which which. I don't know how to say that any better than I just did. Like our length makes up for our leanness and for our diminutive height, right? At least that's how it felt in one scrimmage, right? And so, um, and, you know, and our guys' tenacity, like, our, you know, we were, we were doing a lot of stuff just by kind of a, a, a you know, a group effort. And so, um, you know, I have a lot, of, a lot of faith in the length of this team. I think our mentality is kind of be on our toes a little bit more than on our heels, to be a little bit more aggressive than a little bit more conservative. We're going to see times where that's incredible and it looks beautiful, and we're going to see times where it looks like a disaster. Hopefully we can just lean into the incredible part. Um, and I got a lot of faith in the skill of this team. Like we have a group that's skilled. A lot of times we're one through five, we can shoot the ball. Um, we're smaller, but we have a lot of skill on this team. And so... Um, I think we have good decision makers on this team that are trying to grow, so I think we have some real strength in, in those areas. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.